0: What if you could complete your MBA in just one year? Thanks to the College of Charleston School of Business, now you can. Their accelerated MBA program condenses a traditional two-year program into one rigorous year, ensuring you not only save a year of tuition and fees, but also re-enter the workforce quickly and graduate with critical business knowledge. U.S. News & World Report recognized the College of Charleston MBA as number one in the country for its job placement rate within three months of graduation. Learn more at mba.cfc.edu. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work, they're ready to make an impact. Each Saturday morning at 9, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the Low Country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life. Now your hosts of Beyond the Business, Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood.
1: And great Saturday morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 WSC and simulcast on iHeart Radio, or you may be checking us out via iTunes or Spotify or our podcast at coastalwm.com I'm one of your hosts here this lovely Saturday morning Eric Cox with the lovely and talented Leslie Haywood happy 2021 Leslie
2: yay happy 2021 good you so excited good, good to see everybody virtually.
1: Yes, here we are still doing all this virtual fun stuff, but we're excited to get to do another show here on Beyond the Business, presented by the College of Charleston School of Business. We're so thankful to our sponsor, and we're so thankful to getting the opportunity to have another great year of bringing you our listeners wonderful testimonies and backdrops for our from our entrepreneurs and leaders from around the Low Country and around the country now, or as we said last week, around the world as we've been able to use uh, some of the remote podcasts. Cast opportunities that we're doing so we're excited leslie and, and you know you and i had a cool little show last week we got to kick off the new year just you and i little yeah. intimate romantic you and i session nobody else there nobody was listening just you and i
2: that was a lot of fun i know that was a lot of fun that was good wrapping things up i love I actually
1: it she went back and listened to that show by the way uh, And it was just cool to just hear us talking about the the season of 2020 from the perspective of our radio show. Here we are entering our seventh year on Beyond the Business, and I got to tell you, I'm I'm fired up, I'm excited for the new year, and I'm really excited about our guest today. Um, I know he's going to bring it. He's got a great uh, journey to talk about today, and so strap in your seatbelt, get a cup of coffee, you're in for a treat. We have Dr. Jack Schaefer on the line with us. Jack, good morning to you.
3: Good morning, Eric and Leslie.
1: We're excited to have you. It's always fun to have a friend on the show. I know some of your story, but as our mantra says, people you know, stories you don't. I'm willing to bet we're going to learn a lot of things I don't know about you today, so we're excited about that. Um, And in case you don't know uh, the name Jack Schaefer, shame on you, Uh, but Jack, give us a real quick 20-second commercial sort of on you and your your businesses, as I will say, uh, so that those listening kind of have a context of who they who they're uh, listening to this morning
3: well, um, first of all, I'm a Charlestonian. First and foremost, I, uh, I grew up there. We're going to talk about that, and we can talk about our history. But uh, um, I started an uh, a eye comp. I'm an eye doctor. I started at the Schaefer Eye Center in 1980. Uh, unfortunately, I first started in Birmingham, not Charleston. Uh, we'll go through that in our history. Uh, built it to 18 eye centers, and we had one of the first LASIK eye centers developed within a comprehensive eye care center. Um, And then uh, and, and also did some real estate on the side in Charleston and other places, but uh, I love Charleston, so I always, always had a house there. And then I also uh, sold in 2017 and became a preservationist. Uh, my passion, my calling was to really uh, use the term keep Charleston Charleston. And uh, we'll, I guess we'll talk about that when I also talk about my history, but I bought a, uh, first I bought a house downtown. I had a house in Sullivan, bought a house downtown, uh, redid it, and liked doing that so much. One day I walked by one of my favorite mansions in the city and said, you know, what the heck? And I bought a mansion on the battery that's an 11-room inn, um, and right now we had just opened, so now I'm a, a full preservationist and uh, um, a... Uh, I guess, a proprietor and owner of an historic property that has 11 rooms at the 20 South Battery.
2: Perfect. Perfect. Yep. That was yeah, the history right there. Well, we're going to go way, way, way back. So as a Charlestonian, tell us where exactly you were born. Um, how many siblings do you have? And give us a little sense about um, family life growing up.
3: I grew up, actually, I was born in New York City. My parents bought, uh, uh, Was were recruited here to Charleston um, in, in, uh, when I was nine months old. My father came first. Uh, I, I'm Jewish. And uh, back in the co- colonial days, you know, Charleston was one of the largest uh, Jewish populations in, in the country. But it dwindled over the years, over 100 years. And, I, and a large group got together. And they started recruiting families to move back to Charleston. And my father was one of them. He Came here and bought a, a, a business. Uh, We've lived on Pitt Street, downtown Pitt Street, not, not Mount Pleasant. And um, we lived on Pitt Street probably for about, I'm guessing, five years. That was the, the sort of the Jewish area town. In fact, on St. Philip Street was the. Uh, was the uh, um, the synagogue, the Jewish community center? In fact, all them, everybody knows the synagogue Society Street, which is the oldest synagogue in the United States. And so there was sort of a downtown group. You had the museum uh, on one side, Hampton Park, and and you just stayed downtown. That's all it was. I mean, you didn't go into any of the, uh, you didn't go into any of the. Uh, uh, suburbs at that point in time. In fact, I don't remember any suburbs. But the funny part about growing up on, on Pitt Street um is now we look at flooding? It flooded back then in the in the late 50s. And when we had a rain, the entire neighborhood, every child was swimming in that nasty street. And if you think the water's bad now, think about that. And our parents would be, um, you know, sitting there. We'd just be in the Pitt Street, Smith Street. They were all very flooded back then. And um, that was our swimming pool. We loved the rain because <laughs> no one had a pool downtown. It's a little um, different nowadays, right? <laughs> yeah. So the rain was. Yes.
1: So, Jack, anybody that knows you uh, knows you have an amazing personality, a great spirit. Uh, but as a kid, a youngster, what were you like?
3: Uh, you know, it, people tell me I was uh, who I was. I mean, I haven't changed a whole lot. I love to dress up. And um, even as a kid, my mother told me that um, when, in 1960, we moved to South Windermere, Confederate, the, towards uh, the street leaves leads Confederate Circle. And she across the street, down was a belt, suit, and she would go there to buy my clothes for the fourth grade. And I t- she'd bring them home. I said, I'm not wearing that. And I, we'd have to drive back downtown to, uh, there was a store called Father and Son Store, and I'd only buy my clothes from one store. Um, and so even as a nine and ten-year-old, I like to dress up, and I've always liked parties. In fact, um, uh, place, you know, that back then, my, my actually, my brother-in-law, who, long story how that all happened, he's not a Charles Stoney, he had to be hired by a Drake Hasty who was uh, owner of Magnolia Gardens and also on the radio TV station, Susie Q. And I used to have my birthday. I was, all I want to do is have a birthday party on TV, which I did. My sixth grade, six-year-old birthday was on Channel 2 with an elephant and Happy Rain. Um, and ladies, you don't to remember all that stuff. But, uh, um, and the funny story about that is, and this is a true story, because I was a, um, I had an uncle named Larry Schaefer, who was not a good guy. He was a black sheep of the family. And and back then, uh, Market Street was the red light district. And he owned a bar on Market Street. So in my family, you weren't allowed to own a bar, much less um, up on Market Street, because that was the red light district. And um, my, my when I went to meet my ex-wife's parents, there was a man there, my name's Clark, and he was from West Virginia, and he said, are you related to Larry Schaefer? And I was like, uh-oh, because you know, he was bad man. I love him. He was great because he had a Thunderbird, and he let me use his Thunderbird. But uh, um, I said, yeah, and he said, you know, I lived in Charleston for seven years. Um, And he said, you know, Charleston smells of dead fish and dying aristocracy, and I never fit in. But Drayton Hastie gave me this great job. I ran his media company, and one night I was in a bar, and I was drinking, and I was hitting on some girl, and a man pulled a gun on me, and I heard this click to my head, and he said, breathe your last breath, you're going to die. The next thing I hear another gun click and a man says, you shoot him. I shoot you. I got to clean this all up. Please let me just buy y'all a drink and let's start over. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never getting in this family. So my uncle actually saved my brother-in-law's life. Fifty years ago, <laughs> um,
1: I told you, Low Country, you are in for a treat. Hold on tight for this. Oh
3: my uh, God. This story! But then, when I was walking down uh, uh, five, four years ago, down at White Point Gardens, and I'm gonna tell you two stories about that. The I, I see the mansion for sale. I call my agent Debbie. Said, "Look, we want to work this out." And she said, "Well, let me call Drayton." I said, "Who?" He said, "Drayton Hasty." So I bought my house from Drayton Haysey the guy who brought my brother-in-law there to give him the job and cause my uncle to save his life.
2: Oh my gosh. I That's don't cool even know circle. where to go with this. Like-
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Jack, as, 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 as coming up as a youngster, thinking about your future, if you did, it sounds like you were living a pretty good life, but uh, did you have a vision of what you want to do when you grew up?
3: No, actually, uh, you know, Charleston, if you've read any of the Charleston books or the novels, Charleston is made up of a bunch of individuals. And, you know, we really grew up wanting to sit on a beach, not work hard, um, hang out. You know, we, we were fortunate to grow up in a neighborhood where you just hung around in a neighborhood. Uh, half my friends, that, that, and they had, came from good families, they went to college. I mean, they knew they were going to their father's businesses. And, um, so, you know, life growing up, you know, my father was a hard worker. We weren't wealthy. So he worked, he taught us a work ethic. Um, I have two sisters, and um, he taught us that, you know, if you want something, you've got to go out and get it. He woke, you know, he did well. He woke up early, worked all day, and came home late. Um, and, and, and so he, he taught me a work ethic. I always loved real estate. He, he did real estate on the side. I always loved real estate. I thought that's what I was going to do, but I've always wanted to be a doctor. I mean, even, um, you know, uh, my Dr. Ravenel, I just met his grandson the other day, my pediatrician, whose his office was on Rutledge Avenue. As a little kid, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. And, and I can't believe this, but he gave me a—back then, the syringes were glass, and he gave me a, a syringe with the needle in it. And I used to go around, I hate this, to go around and just pull insects and inject. I try to save their lives. I, I don't want to go into other things than what, what I did with that needle. But um, I walked around my little leather pouch with my syringe in it, just like you see on TV and the in the 40s or 50s, and uh, today, can you imagine a doctor giving a, a seven, <laughs> no. six, eight? It's called, a, it's called a lawsuit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I, I knew I was going to be a doctor uh, my whole life, but also like real estate and watching my father work. And I, I love business. I just have a business sense, and I think I got that because of uh, um, of watching how hard he worked and was able to do so many different things through my lifetime. And by the way, in case you're wondering, whose voice uh, you're listening to is that
1: of Mr. or Doctor Jack Schaefer. Sorry, uh, Doctor Schaefer is joining us here uh, this morning from Alabama, and of course, you're listening to him here on Beyond the Business, presented by Coastal Wealth Management and the College of Charleston School of Business.
2: So, after high school, what? How did uh, sh- tell us about the path that uh, to get to become a doctor?
3: Well, first, I got to tell you a couple good stories. I mean, you okay? Gotta- and stories, because if you grew up downtown, and again, being Jewish, we weren't allowed to live south abroad. There was maybe two families south abroad. There were no tourists. I mean, south abroad was old Charlestonians, and then each of us had our sections. But, you know, the reason I am who I am today is I have an aunt that used to take care of me when my parents were in there. my father had a grocery store and a five and ten cent store connected, fact, like the whole corner of... Calhoun between Alexander and East Bay, that was called the Bargain Corner, and you'd walk in and have a grocery store, any five and ten cents store, so they were working all the time. But one day, my aunt took me to the museum. For y'all who have never seen the the museum. You really go need to go in the museum. Everything that's in the museum came out of an old building on Rutledge Avenue, the four columns that are sitting there by themselves. That was this old seventeen hundreds museum and it was massive and beautiful, one of the prettiest structures in the city. But that was my hangout. And so when I was uh five years old, if anybody has seen the movie Night at the museum I lived it. My aunt took me there. I hid in in an old Model T car, and my aunt thought I ran home because I lived down the street on Pitt Street. She left me, and I got locked in the museum at night. And um, in the museum is a a, a mummy that's still there, and and he was by the door. And it's a dinosaur, but it's really a whale. But as a child, to me, it was a dinosaur. And I had to get from the back at the museum to the door at night with darkness, with a knowing that mummy is gonna wake up and get me. And um, I was locked in there for three and a half hours by myself that night. And so I know that, that, that best in my head, that's
1: why all these years later, that's still a deep memory for you. How about that? So, uh, so keeping it in line with the spirit of entrepreneurship, um, you, you talked about how you always wanted to be a doctor. You went on to, as you mentioned, end up having 18 practices before you sold them. Um, sort of talk about the evolution, not just as a practicing physician, but also the business side of that opportunity? Because it sounds like you were as attracted to the entrepreneur side as you were the the physician side.
3: Well, as a good Charlestonian, um, I was going to go to New Orleans, but I stopped in Athens, Georgia with my friend Paul Carter. Um, we actually had a fraternity, a secret society in high school, and we all were still good friends to this day, but we, he he got into the University of Georgia, and so we were going to go on a college tour. Uh, this is my fifth college to look at, because they will fund college tours. And we stopped in Athens, and I went home that day, and I said... Uh, I'm going to Georgia. I reapplied and got in, and um, the Georgia made a really big difference because when I went to University of Georgia, I knew I wanted to be a doctor, um, but at Georgia, you really learned, first of all, you really learned how to uh, enjoy life. I mean, it was probably the coolest school in the, at the time. Um, to go there during the 60s and the changeover of, uh, of Vietnam and marching and uh, just everything else you do. But um, it allowed me to take some real estate courses, some business courses, and I got really confused. I mean, so I, I, I really thought I was going to be a pediatrician. But to be honest, the, the people that I was uh, hanging out with in the pre-med, I didn't like them very much. The people that were and business school, man, these were the fun people, but they didn't study, so they went out more. And so I decided to take a couple business courses because it, it just came easy to me. And um, so I, I changed my major to pre-law. Um, I told my father I'm going uh, to move to business school and go pre-law. I came to Charleston that summer, and he said, well, I'm going to send you to my attorney's office because why do you want to be an attorney? And so he, I went to work for my attorney for three days, and I... Then nah, I'm not doing this. This is hard. <laughs> I, I thought you know you do these big murder. There was a murder case going on in Charleston. I, I went and watched it. That was exciting. But the work that you had to do, that was not for me. So I went back to Georgia with, ch- change my major again. And I started looking around and I said, you know, optometry, I can have a, there, there was a couple of friends, I went and visited a dentist and an optometrist. I didn't want to be dentistry. That was, I hated my dentist. I love the family, but he hurt me real bad. Um, but I love the family. They're the greatest. But um, I I visited a couple of my friends who fathers were optometrists. They were working four days a week, making a great living, having a house at Sullivan's Island, a house in town, and I always thought I'd go back to Charleston, just go into practice with one of them. I said, and it's a business, too, because you sell glasses and you uh, do a little bit of everything. I said, okay, this is for me. And so I applied to optometry school, which is four years after college, but... As typical of Georgia, um, a group of us decided we don't want to leave after four years. Now, my father made me graduate, but my friends didn't even graduate. And out of the five people that stayed there, Three, them didn't even go to Georgia, but they moved to Athens for the fifth year. And so during that fifth year, um, one of my friends, whose father was a big real estate guy in Bishopville um, and tobacco, um, we started a little company because my father said you, you just can't live in Athens, Georgia. You go into optometry school. So I took a course. And I took a real estate course and started a little real estate business and buying and selling these small homes. And it really gave me a good taste of, uh, so I got pre-med, I got pre-optometry, I got business school, which I, did, I, I made an A in every single business course I've ever taken, and now I got some real estate background. So um, that sort of gave me that that complete Um, education, and at nighttime, I've got, as you know, Eric, the great Gatsby social education of Athens, Georgia, and you never go to bed before, (laughs) two.
1: He's a master. He has a master's in that program, Leslie.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) Never go to bed. Okay, I'm I'm learning so much. I am learning so much. So how did how did all of this parlay into your first um, uh, optometrist business?
3: So I, I went to optometry school in Memphis for four years, and then uh, moved to Atlanta. I loved Atlanta. I always thought that I'd spend some time in Atlanta. In fact, remember that group of five? We actually got in my junior year and college, a group of us got an apartment in Atlanta we shared, so we go back in the summertime. Back then, Charleston was not that much fun in the summer, but we'd all have, we'd stay out at Sullivan's Island, and we'd get an apartment in Atlanta, and so we would, in fact, we wouldn't tell our parents, you know, today, parents keep up with you. We'd go to Sullivan's Island, spend a couple of weeks there, and then we'd get bored to death, and then we'd all go to Atlanta uh, three or four of us don't even tell your parents you're gone and we'd be in atlanta for 10 days the parents didn't even know we were in atlanta um and um so i loved atlanta so when i got out of town school,
2: children I, if you're listening don't do
3: this don't don't do
1: what dr jack don't did oh it was great.
3: <laughs> we were under- <laughs> And by the way, there was, you, we'd have this apartment, and all of a sudden, another friend from Charleston would call up, uh, uh, we come coming over, and they're all friends still today, they, and they'd show up, and they'd be sleeping in your living room, and you know, we didn't have cell phones, so no one called home. And you never knew who was going to be in your house that night, um, especially at what Sullivan's was the same way. But um, I... Went, I, 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 I Uh, Tucker Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Clinic offered me a position, so I joined a a mini eye center and and ear, nose, and throat center and stayed there for two years and um, loved it. And then I wanted to move to Charleston. My ex was not keen. My friends were still a little uh, untamed, um, as they say, in Charleston. Um, individuals. So we decided, I decided I wanted to teach, and I got, I, I met with the uh, University of Alabama Birmingham School of Optometry, and it was the one university you could teach and have a practice, because I always wanted to open my own practice. So I went to Birmingham and opened a practice and started teaching, because um, it gave me everything I thought I wanted to do. But then, uh, um started opening practices and hiring doctors and it, it became truly my, my uh, passion in my life to uh, to become a, a CEO and a doctor, which wasn't they, we couldn't back then doctors didn't advertise. Um, we didn't have what you see today. there were no chains of eye care centers. And so I had the first probably multi-unit eye care facility probably in the southeast and um, but, I would never leave Charleston. So I told my wife, if we're not if I'm gonna stay here, and I came home and bought a house in um uh, thirty years ago, um, so because I always had to have roots in Charleston. So,
1: Unfortunately, we're we're getting fairly close to out of time. But talk a minute as we're winding down the show today, Jack. Of in terms of you build this, you know, eighteen practice business. I mean, you're you're doing well. You're you're growing it. You've obviously been successful on both ends of that spectrum as a physician, as an entrepreneur. Um, give us some insight for those that are listening that are scaling and growing their businesses of both. You know, the 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 positives and the opportunities of growing and scaling, but also maybe a challenge or two that you experienced as that business matured.
3: Well, first of all, you have to decide what you want to do. Doctors call me all the time. I lecture all over the country, mainly on disease, anterior segment eye disease. Um, whatever you do, you've got to be good at what you do. So I consider myself a really good doctor first. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of doctors get out of school. They say, you know, uh, how do you open multiple practices? Why do you want to do that? And with any business, you have to decide what it is it you want to do. And the first thing you want to do is you have to get very good at what you do before you do any kind of business expansion. So, you know, make sure you start small and be very, very good at what you do. And you have to have that passion. Now, if you decide to go into something and grow something more expansive, understand there's a sacrifice. You sacrifice sacrificing family time you're going to sacrifice personal time. And unless you have very, very deep pockets, you're going to go through some um, definitely an- anxious times when you have your end-to-end of your line of credit and you know that uh, a lot of payroll's coming due and it's uh, uh, going to be a bad month and where are you going to go when your credit cards are all filled up. Um, and-, and so th- it definitely there's a risk factor. Um, when you start expanding. But if you don't have the passion, if you don't have the ability to give the time and you're not great at what you do, the best is, you know, don't do it. Um, So you start with some, just like the people own multiple restaurants. You look at the Hall family. They took one business and they sacrificed everything to open that first halls and they worked hard and they made it work but it took years, probably nine or 10 years. and now they have how many, eight or nine restaurants, but for seven, six or seven years, they made one restaurant really good. The same thing with me for, for four or five years. I'm, I had two, I made two and possibly three, I care centers really, really good. And I also became, as a doctor, I became even better as i spent a lot of time becoming a better doctor um, so that when you hire people, um, they want to work for you. You know, at, right now I have the 20 South Battery, the Stork Inn, and um, my passion is Charleston. If I don't have passion, how can I expect my managers and my team to have this passion for loving a city, loving a architecture? I know we're going to talk about business more in the next hours, but you, you have to really love what you're doing, willing to spend the time, and willing to make sacrifices.
1: Well, it's well said. And certainly, I know the, the fact that you've put all that time, energy, and passion into your life, both personally and professionally. That's why you've had the success that you have. And so, we're excited to have you back next week and certainly hear a lot more about the decision that you made ultimately to, to sell the business, right? And exit the business and, and turn to that next chapter in your life, which I know has been very fulfilling. And then, of course, uh, we're all excited to hear a lot more about your venture at 20 South Battery. Uh, I had the pleasure of staying there a few months back, and it is. It's extraordinary, so I'm looking forward to talking about that next week. But until then, uh, Dr. Sh- Jack Schaefer, thank you so much for your time and your story and really your history uh, of, of your Charleston journey.
3: Thanks. It's fun to see you next week. Well,
1: you next week. <laughs> That's right. And, again, you've been listening to Beyond the Business, heard here on 94.3 WSC and presented by the College of Charleston School of Business and Coastal Wealth Management. And until next Saturday morning, Low Country. Have a blessed week.
0: Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business, brought to you by the College of Charleston School of Business. The College of Charleston School of Business, where students are beyond ready to work. They're ready to make an impact. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC. The College of Charleston School of Business is recognized among the top 30 colleges for studying business abroad by the Business Research Guide. With nine undergraduate majors, ten minors, and six concentration areas, an honors program in business, and master's programs in business and accountancy, the College of Charleston School of Business has more than 3,000 students enrolled. Their students are ready to work, and they're ready to make an impact. For more info, visit sb.cfc.edu.